What is up, good people? I'm Brandon T. Maxwell, and this is the Holy Shit Pod. In this week's episode, Sam, Katie, and I are talking about three things. The political origins of Pride Month, our feelings concerning the corporatization of Pride, and we'll share a few reflections on how we have each observed Pride in the past, as well as how we're planning to celebrate this year. As always, you can email holyshit at theolapmedia.com if you have questions or feedback, or you can also head over to theolapmedia.com and leave us a little voice memo uh, using the new little button on the homepage. You'll see it when you go there. But for now, you know what time it is. Before we get into today's word of pod, we've got a few church announcements to help you properly govern yourselves over the course of this week. So let's get right into it. What is up, good people? We are back here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for all of the saints and even the ain'ts. It is a wonderful day. Welcome back, Sam. What's up? What's up? What? I can't do that. Is that trademarked by Martin? What's up with the bank? It bounce, shout it. What's up? What's up? What's What's up, good people? This is Pastor Sam. I'm glad to be back. You know what? I'm about to kick your ass out. What's up, good people? You already coming back and you ain't acting right. Where my people? Where my people? I'm good, man. How you doing, Brandon? How you doing, Karen? Hi, Karen. I am doing great. I'm so glad to see your face again. I had to be with Brandon all by myself and it was just a torture. Katie, this little baby whisper talking ain't gonna work. Turn your volume up. This is why she tired of your ass. Karen, are you doing okay? I am great. I'm I'm looking over this lake out here, which is far more beautiful than my home. Are you at Lake Junaluska? No, I'm at Busky Bay. Oh, that sound white. And racist. Is Busky Bay racist? No, but there's really only white people around here. Think about the TV show, Them. Well, yeah, shit. Yeah. What did Them yes. teach you about that? No, no, no. I know. I know. I mean, one and a half shows and I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. Oh, yeah. Up in northern Wisconsin, you're not, even in Wisconsin in general, you're not going to see a lot of people of color. Well, we got to talk to the gay ministry because they prayers ain't fervent enough because (laughs) Sam is back this week. Excuse me? Did y'all put in a prayer request for me not to come back? No, we just prayed the straightaway. Did you not listen to the episode? Of course, I listen to every episode that we uh, put out. He lying. He was laid up in bed sick on the sick and shut in list. Sick almost until the point of death, but God, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. But we play, we we prayed for all the straggets to go away, and you came back. Wow, you never heard that straggit. (laughs) That's because I'm an ally. We're gonna talk about y'all later on. (laughs) So for. I'm an ally. I got a rainbow logo on the... At least it's rainbow, not that human rights campaign sticker. The the real horrible allies have that. You bought as much an ally as Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Changing the H to all them rainbow colors. So y'all know how we like to do here on the Holy Shit Pod. We always like to get started with a few church announcements. And the first announcement is... It's Pride Month. Happy Pride. And also with you. Happy Pride. And also with you. What the hell? You too. It was a liturgy, right? Happy Pride. And also with What's you. the Pride theme song, Brandon? I'm coming out. I want the world to know. Got to let it shine. But you already out. like. Or it's raining men. It's raining men. Hallelujah, it's raining, man. And what about the women? These aren't good songs. We are family. Sister Sledge. 
Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. We are family. Come on, Sister Sledge. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> we are family. Sorry. I had to do the harmony. <laughs> family. This is how I learned that was like a gay national anthem later. But in college, like I was maybe a sophomore or junior and friends from my basketball team that are now all gay. We had gone downtown Indianapolis. They were gay when y'all was playing basketball. <laughs> I understand that, but we didn't really know that then. So uh, we were leaving the fireworks and this car was, now I know it was headed to a gay bar and they were like blasting and singing, we are family, like while they drove by us and then yelled out of the car and you are too. And we were like, I wonder what that means. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of issues with this story. First, the, there's an anachronism here that you should address because you know damn well that song wasn't out when you was in college. I hate you. <laughs> it was. Katie, was <laughs> Katie was at Stonewall. Katie was on the front lines <sighs> with Marsha P. Johnson. I mean, so there are all kind of gay anthems, though. So we are family. I don't know if I would... Add that to my list, but it's Rainy Men is definitely one. I'm coming out. You got to do a uh, dancing right. queens. Young and me only 17. Oh, yeah. You can dance. You can jump. Having the time of your life. Ooh. That's going to be a video right there. Just you singing that line with Katie dancing in the background. That's going to be a video. <laughs> And then if you want to be more contemporary, you got to do uh, that. What's that one with the big nose? I don't even know the words, but she just keeps on saying, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Is the song Born This Way? Isn't it? It's Lady Gaga? Yeah, that's who I thought it was. Hub with the nose. Oh, like, are you serious? You didn't know who? <laughs> I forgot her name. But I was like, what is her name? Cause she, I was thinking he must have been talking about someone old, right? Millions of years ago, right, right, right. Me too. And that's why he asked me. She just stopped wearing the costumes, and so I forgot her name. I don't know. Isn't she the one that sang the national anthem at Joe Biden's inauguration? She did poorly with that Hunger Games brooch. The Hunger Games uh. brooch, <laughs> and she did it poorly. I thought we should make a holy shit pod pride playlist. Wait a minute. What if we made a playlist and then asked the people who are listening to send in? ideas as well and then it's like a communal pride playlist all right i like this so if you're listening that's a church announcement if you have pride songs that you love you can be the l the g the b the t or the q the i or the a because sam thinks he's included in the pride celebration i guess as an ally so any of them letters is that what the a stands for ally well there's also asexual but we know you're not that yeah i thought that that's what that was brandon just creating his own damn acronym there's like so many letters i call it quilt bag (laughs) q for queer (laughs) u for undecided (laughs) i for intersex l for lesbian t for trans b for bi a for ally or asexual g for gay the quilt bag ministry so the point is it's pride month happy pride if you celebrate if you don't celebrate still happy pride um if you don't know what pride is go to your local store and you'll figure it out because there will be (laughs) rainbow paraphernalia everywhere if you go on banana republic they've got awful t-shirts that have pronouns on them it's not that i dislike pronouns i dislike the t-shirts it's the gay month. It's for all of the queers. The gays and the strays, as my mother likes to call us. <laughs> Which is oh my also homophobic. 
Yes. But in the spirit of Pride Month, our second church announcement comes to you all the way from Spain. Last November, a 15-year-old student named Mikel Gomez was kicked out of school and forced to see a psychologist after he chose to don a skirt to promote gender nonconformity. Now, I'm disappointed that we didn't know anything about this until, like, I found out last week. And that's because several male teachers and students in this person's school and in Spain more broadly are wearing skirts to class in solidarity with Mikel, who was expelled last November. So there's all these pictures now of these teachers wearing skirts to class and it's starting a social media trend. Have y'all seen any of the pictures? I have. I also saw the article and um, saw the pictures, yeah. I think it's amazing that these teachers are taking a stand. And so that this is an ally thing, taking a stand and actually risking their own jobs and such, and other students doing that as well. So the comments are fascinating, but um, you shouldn't read those. What do the comments say? Well, there's things like, like they're putting quotes around men and they're saying that, that <laughs> skirts aren't manly and they're not real men and they all need to you know, be go to hell or whatever. But one of somebody responded to the, the skirts aren't like manly and said, you know, the Scottish warriors used to wear skirts in battles. They're called kilts. And one of the men is actually wearing a kilt. Correct. I mean, it looks like a kilt. It looks like one. Yes. The only one of these men who's semi-attractive is the one wearing the kilt, at least to me. Really? These folks need to stop. T.D. Jakes be preaching in a dress. But anyway. Why are you like this? And they want to talk about this stuff isn't manly. This is just, it's ridiculous. They're crazy. He'd be preaching in a whole dress with a whole manicure with the glossy nails. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> and a pinky ring. Like, what? What? <laughs> so wait, does a pinky ring, is that a thing? No. That you all know about? Mm-mm. Are you the creator of the pinky ring? No. When I was coming out, you wore like a pinky ring would be one of the things that you wore to show other people that you were gay and then a second earring in one ear. A second earring in one ear. So two earrings in one ear is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Two earrings in one ear. And Okay. Brandon, did you know all of this? I had no idea about any of this. I just said pinky ring because I don't know why. Maybe it's just in my bones. I just knew it in my gay bones. I think in our time, Sam, like it was if you had your left ear pierced or was it your right ear pierced, you were gay? Like it, it was one or the other. Like one ear meant you were gay and one ear meant you were straight. All of it is bullshit. Oh, okay. Which one of mine is pierced? You ain't got no piercings. My left one. Sam, you gay. It's your left ear. My left ear is pierced. You, you got your gay ear pierced. Oh, one of my ears is gay. <laughs> it's all a spectrum. Well, shout out to everybody who's standing in solidarity with Mikhail all the way in Spain and around the world. Show your legs. It's Pride Month. Whether you're straight or gay, go ahead and be in solidarity with Mikhail. Now, I don't look good in a skirt. That's not my deal. I may have to take a tip from the gentleman who wore pantyhose with his skirt and tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate about this article is that I feel like it highlights on some level people that are actually willing to do the work on some level, right? There's a lot of work to be done. So I don't want people to think that, oh, go put on a skirt and you're, you're doing the work. Um, but I feel like here were teachers who took their positions of power, of influence and said, what can we do? 
And if they're going to suspend this student, then they're going to have to suspend or to fire us. And, and they say, you know, we're going to take it upon ourselves to wear skirts. The problem is there are not enough straight people doing the work. So, Sam, are you going to wear a skirt to work once we're all back together? If they send somebody home for wearing one, yes. Mikhail got sent home. I'm just not going to randomly wear one because I'm like Brandon. Like, I, I would look a hot mess. I think what I appreciate about it, Sam, in line with what you're saying is like this is a way in which teachers are actually teaching. Like they're educating their children. Yes. There's, a, there's something to be said about the textbooks and whatever else and No Child Left Behind here in the United States. And by something to be said, I mean all of those things are bullshit. And <laughs> like here, we have a real life <laughs> example where these teachers are showing their students what it means to be a human and what it means to be whole yeah. and what mm-hmm. it means to stand alongside Correct. others who are marginalized and oppressed. Yes. Contrast that with what's happening here in Georgia we're in there actively trying to make sure that we can't teach about racism in our schools. Exactly. Yeah, well, and the Board of Education actually approved it last week. And that, it, it enrages me so much, but it also shows me that not enough white people are doing the work. And, I, and I'm not talking about the comfortable, you know, guilt-absolving, make-me-feel-good, pose with some pictures in a different country with African orphanages uh, type of work. But I'm talking about the real, critical, important work, the conversations that aren't prompted with your white children and with your white family members um, to say what your whiteness means and the effects that it has on the rest of society and the rest of community and the rest of your neighbors, whether you own slaves or not. Like that important work, that ongoing and consistent work. White people aren't doing the work. And I need them to hear me. I need them to hear me because some of you think you're doing the work. You are not doing the work. Your Black Lives Matter shirt is not the work. Your rainbow (laughs) shirt is not the work. You are not doing the work. On that note, well... This is the end of today's episode. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that was the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Take your damn right. right. Mm-hmm. How's that for an invitation, friends? I didn't mean it like that. So shifting gears here for another church announcement that is, I think, related. I'm really sad to see that there is a TV show that is coming to an end that has been doing some of the work that I think you're talking about, Sam. Pose, which aired in 2018 on FX is coming to an end. I'm assuming y'all know what Pose is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's the gay show. Now see, be better. You just slip back into the people you were yelling about before. <laughs> <laughs> just like a damn ally. I'm just comfortable with my gay folks. Just yours. <laughs> Do you own us? Right, exactly, exactly. That was a possessive pronoun. In in a way. You claim us. Wait, can you pray him away by removing him? God, right now we come against this spirit of heteroaggression and we come against this spirit of homophobia. <laughs> but come on, tongues. Was that a tongue? Hey, glory! Yes! <laughs> So Pose is a critically acclaimed television drama set in New York City. And I believe this is the largest cast Mm -hmm. of trans-identified people. Yep. What's wrong? What's happening, Sam? I can't hear. (laughs) The prayer worked. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, Katie, Katie, you might have the Holy Ghost. Katie, you may have the Holy Ghost. (laughs) 
Did she go in tongues again? Did I miss it? No. no. She started praying in tongues and your, your internet messed up. We bound that spirit that was all up in your computer. <sighs> but I'm back now. Well, hopefully you're better. <laughs> Did you come back less hateful? Did you come back repentant? Did you come back transformed? I don't hate y'all. I love y'all. Aww. I don't want to see y'all go to hell. <laughs> so that's why... <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I gotta give y'all the gospel. The gospel. Get him out of here. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening who actually believe those things, Sam does not. So Pulse is a television show that features the largest openly trans cast. I believe in history. Yeah. I mean, I'm certain there have been other casts that have had trans-identified folks that have been uh, openly trans or perhaps um, not so open or open in a different ways or more private about their gender identity. But Pose has every single leading character in this TV show is a trans person and it highlights the ballroom scene in New York and it's set in the 80s around the time that the HIV and AIDS epidemic was at its height. And so we follow these characters over the course of three seasons and it's now coming to an end. So this past Sunday, the show concluded. We are recording this episode before this past Sunday, (laughs) (laughs) like the day before. So we'll have to have hot takes on the finale in the future um, but it did conclude yesterday I encourage you to go on Netflix and watch it it is one of the best television shows that may be an overstatement it is one of the most historic television shows to ever be aired I'm, I'm gonna have to binge watch it this weekend so you haven't ever seen it or heard of it Katie I hadn't no I mean I know who Billy Porter is but I and so I knew about him but no I didn't learn about it until you sent the article I mean, the the reality is I don't watch TV. So now I just watch TV based on what you tell me to watch. I will say as you're getting started, the first episode is amazing. That was some of the best television I've ever seen. It was a little bit melodramatic, but it was also just perfect. And so I think many people remember that first episode. I remember that first episode. I just recently rewatched it. And that's what really set the tone for the series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if every episode maintained the same exact level of good, good, if you will. But it was a necessary show for us to have more openly trans people visible and not cisgendered people portraying trans folks and calling that some sort of representation. We had Dominique Jackson, who's actually from the ballroom scene in New York City, Mm -hmm. uh, playing a house mother. We had MJ Rodriguez, who I came to know for her performance in, uh, I think it was like 2010 or 11 off-Broadway production of Rent. (laughs) But MJ Rodriguez plays another house mother in the series. Um, Angelica Ross, who was on another Ryan Murphy show, is in the series. India Moore. I mean, all of these openly trans characters leading. And Janet Mock was a producer. So it was amazing. I would strongly suggest that everyone goes and watches it now. It's a lesson in family. It's a lesson in courage. And it's a lesson in living in your absolute truth, regardless of the consequences that come as a result of that decision. Yeah. And and I mean, I think that it's the case today, but I know in that time, the folks in the queer community were they relied on that family of choice, right? That there was so, especially trans folks. Yes. There was so much hatred or secrecy around it. So to have this place where you can be yourself and be loved and supported and it's essential, it's essential for life. But yeah, I can imagine that's the where that's where the family of choice came about. 
So I actually started watching this, Brandon. I think this was a, at a time that I started about two or three different series and didn't finish. Like, I think I watched the first three episodes. And I agree with you about the first episode. I didn't know what it was when I first started watching. Like when I'm scrolling on any of my platforms, I'm looking for shows with black people. Uh, and so that was the first thing that drew me to pose. And I was like, okay, black people, let me see how good this is. In the first episode, I was like, okay, I, this is this is good. I, I like this show, but I never finished it. And I need to go back. Uh, usually after going into the summer, when I have more time, I go back and I catch up on all my series. So I'm going to go back like Katie and binge watch pose now. I highly recommend it. It is really good television. And I think what you have to commit to is learning the history, learning the history of ballroom. If you don't know that history and you don't know about chosen families and you don't know what it means to be an LGBTQ youth and be thrown out of your household because your parents are far too religious to ever accept you and then find a family mm-hmm. that accepts you and takes you in and makes sure that you have every need met. This is a lesson uh, for all to watch and to see. Um, one, what are the impacts of our conservative religious ideologies and also Who are the folks who are practicing, I don't want to impose Christianity on them, but practicing a type of faith that values the human and values the sibling and values your neighbor? I would say every single trans character in this TV show modeled the love of Christ more effectively than 90% of the pastors that I've encountered in my entire life. So go watch it now. Another person who's on the TV show, and this is going to be our last church announcement, is the Billy Porter. Y'all know Billy Porter, don't you? Yeah, Absolutely. I love Billy Porter. I didn't realize that I loved him because, Sam, you know this more than Katie. In the black community, once you come out, they about to be done with you. It doesn't matter how, like, Tone. Tone was shouting the people, talking about, Lord, make me over. Lord, make me over for years. Talking about, work on me, work on me, work on me. Come and on. Second Wait a minute. Said, I'm Wait a minute. Do it again. I did all Do it them. again. Work on me, work on me, work on me. Work on me, work on me, work on me. Work on me, 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 work on me. Work on me. We can definitely add that to the playlist. Yes. That's my new pride. That's the gospel pride. Because he starts off, it's a very, it's very off Broadway. I don't know any words to any songs. Uh, <laughs> but black folks got rid of Tone when he came out. Yeah, Tone went from, uh, what, what was, he was Tone and then his, what was his new name? Blaze? Yes. Tone was in a pose, y'all. Oh, really? Uh, I forget what episode it was. It was probably the second to the last episode in season three. He was sitting there with Lettucey and they were singing like Amazing Grace or something inside of the church. And I was like, is that Tony? And it's sure enough it was Tony. Because there's only so many men who can sing that high. And Tony is one of them. And when I heard the voice, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Tony. So anyway, the key is uh, Billy Porter had an entire music career. I think he only actually had one album. But the man... Like, can sing. He can blow. And the second that people figured out he was gay, the music industry dumped him. They shuffled him under the rug. And um, recently, Billy Porter has made headlines because of his fashion. Mm -hmm. We've seen him at award shows being carried in by um, half-naked men with his gold... 
I think like unitard sort of thing going on. And he's also made a lot of noise because of his role of pray tell in Pose. In recent weeks, Billy Porter has come out and wanted everyone to know that similar to his character, Pray Tell, on Pose, he is HIV positive and and has been HIV positive since 2007. I saw an interview, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one of the white men. Both of them are the same person. Anyway, but he was talking to Jimmy Fallon and he was like, yeah, like I had to come out as a gay man a long time ago and I'm tired of sitting here being like, ashamed of this and being secretive about it. This is my truth. And now it's time to tell another story. So I I want to celebrate, uh, one, people knowing their status. Yes. And two, the fact that we now have somebody on the national stage who is living openly as a HIV positive human because HIV is not what it used to be, right? right? We used to talk about dying from AIDS. And now, I mean, I think a few years ago, the politically correct language was people living with AIDS, people living with HIV, because it's not something that kills you any longer. If you check your count regularly, if you see a, a health professional regularly, if you take your medicine regularly, it's not a disease that has to kill you. So yep. shout out to Billy Porter for the courage. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I was reading and as he was giving an interview about his own reality, he was literally told next to no one mm-hmm. about his diagnosis and his character imposed served like as a surrogate, like he was able to express and to speak his his truth and his emotions through this character. And so, I mean, I, th- I just think that that is really powerful. Yeah. And I think like part of it is I just don't want to come out again, but like the the article that I was reading, he was talking about really feeling shame about the HIV positive and diagnosis. And so that it was through this character, Sam, that he was able to kind of wrestle with that. And then his husband is the one who was encouraging him to live his truth and really supporting him in that. And it's a totally different world now. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, people would live for a couple of years. I know people who've been on medication for 30 years and are doing just fine. The world is a different place now. It is indeed. So once again, we celebrate you, Uncle Billy, Cousin Billy. Auntie Billy, we celebrate you and we um, are so glad that you are living. I'm sorry, I don't mean to preach, but th- this just came to me. Like for me, we have all these gospel songs about, well, and scripture talks about how Christ came to ensure that people could have life and have life more abundantly and live life to the fullest. And if you want to see a living testimony of what it means to have life and have life more abundantly, look at Billy Porter. Mm-hmm. Right. Every time that you see Billy Porter, I want you to start playing Ricky Dillard's I come that you might have life more abundantly. I come that you might have life through because that's what he's doing. I mean, in the fashion and in the fact that he's not allowing this disease to kill him either physically mm-hmm. or mentally, psychologically, spiritually, like live and live your life to the fullest. That just came to me. I was like, that's that's God. That's the Holy Ghost. Anyway. That's the conclusion of our church announcements for today, but we're just getting started with talking about Pride because it is Pride Month and we are here celebrating. Sam said that we had to celebrate. He said that me and Katie wasn't real homosexuals because we wasn't excited enough. He said, y'all ain't happy. Y'all ain't happy. That's exactly how I said it. That's how I said it. (laughs) So we are celebrating today. We're going to talk about the history of Pride, how it came to be in case there are folks on the planet who still don't know. It's not like Black History Month, at least not exactly. But we'll be right back after a quick break. 
I don't trust anyone. How many How many years have you been doing therapy is my question. 23. I mean, I trust a couple people, but I don't trust people in the news or in the government. I trust other people. Katie, don't trust no damn body. Right. Are you going to say something the same? Don't trust your family. Don't trust nobody. Don't trust nobody. Uh, Uncle Ruckus said, don't trust them new niggas over there. Don't you trust them new niggas over there. <laughs> don't you trust them new niggas over there. They'll be fussing, they'll be fighting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh, let me tell you. All right, so June is Pride Month, and Sam has already indicated that, Katie, you are the founder of Pride because you were present with Marsha P. Johnson for the Stonewall Riot. Why are you putting your shit on me? Don't be... Stop that. Stop that. Right, exactly. You were the one who said that, but that was all right. Today's Word of Pod is entitled The Stonewall That the Builders yeah. Rejected. Ah, mm. Has become the chief cornerstone wall. My God. <laughs> Did you say cornerstone wall? Cornerstone wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many people don't realize that pride started as a protest. Come on. Yeah. Well, the, the, it was in a bar in Greenwich Village, right? And it was called the Stonewall Inn. And it was a protest, but it it started because the police started raiding the bar. And the, and the people who were in there were like, nope, we're not standing for this anymore. It's happening all the time. And it was a bar that was primarily frequented by black trans women. And so June 28th, and that's why Pride Month is in June, June 28th, 1969, which was before my birth, the police raided the Stonewall Inn and the people that were in the bar threw rocks and threw stuff, prevented the police from coming in. Marsha P. Johnson, who was also known as the the mayor of Christopher Street, which is where the Stonewall Inn is. There's debates whether or not she was there when it started or she came later, but whatever that is, she dropped some big huge rock or something on top of a police car. And she she was like, you can arrest me. I've been arrested over the past 10 years for wearing makeup. But she was like, I'm going to fight. And it was like a four or five day fight with the police. And so protest, um, fighting for their lives. And so, so the the Pride Month itself, or the Pride, the first Pride Parade happened the next year on June twenty eighth, nineteen seventy, and that's when that was the first Pride Parade, just to honor. And you you was at that one. <laughs> I was I was actually I think I was probably on a plane to Germany at that point because that's where I was moving. Just or it was like the week I got baptized. I don't know something like that. But no, I was alive, but not at the Stonewall Inn. But to your point, Katie, a year after this sort of the Stonewall riots, the Stonewall uprising, the Stonewall protest, I'm wrestling with this. I've recently been listening to a few podcasts talking about how when we talk about Tulsa, we, we say the Tulsa riots, right? And that language of riots suggests that what was happening is Black people were just out of control and going crazy and blowing shit up and burning towns down. Right. When really what it was, was a massacre. Massacre, Yes. It was white people coming into Tulsa, right, right, and killing black people because they had too much power yeah. and autonomy. Right. They were all from Tulsa. They were going into the Greenwood District. I mean, segregation, right? <laughs> so you, so you had white folks entering the black yes, parts yes. of Tulsa in order to the language that I think white folks may have used then is to put black people in their place mm-hmm. and make sure that they didn't maintain 
or continue to accrue power, right? Because it, like, what does it mean for Black folks to not use white people, right? What does it mean for Black folks to exchange money with other Black folks and for all of our resources to be feeding back into our community and into our pockets? That cannot happen. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to get into the corporatization of pride in just a second because I think that has something to do with it. But in a similar manner, Stonewall, to call it a riot, I think yeah. it's helpful because it was actually a type of riot, but that riot was in response to a massacre. That's why I couldn't think of what to call it because I have that same wrestling because it was protecting themselves against the raiding by the police. They're coming up guns drawn to clear out the place. And so, yeah, it's not a riot. It's a, it's protection. It's, I, I don't, I don't know what the word is either. I wrestle with that myself. I mean, the Republicans call it standing your ground. Well, well, there's that. That's what they call it. That's exactly what they call it. And that's legal mm-hmm. in they states. So anyway, after the first marches in 1970 that occurred in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, anniversary sort of marches and parades started to occur more and more and more all around the country. And the month of June came to be known as Pride Month. And I mean, so I guess to me, the tension that I try to sit in today is like, when I go to Pride parades, I always try to go with people who are my elders. So like, Mm. I went with Katie one time um, because Katie was closer to this history than I was. Um, I, like, I like the way you <laughs> fix that. I like the way you clean that up. <laughs> Not too much though. Clean up what I messed up. Um, but no, I like to go with individuals who were born closer to the 1970 or who were adults in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And I love nothing more than seeing people who actually walked in some of the very first marches right. still marching in the pride parades today. In the second church where I pastored in Atlanta, um, the second year that I was pastoring there, we marched in the Pride Parade as a church. And I was surprised to see there was an entire corner where there were conservative religious activists with signs that still said, God hates fags, yep. with signs that still said that you were going to hell. And I was like, oh my God, like there are people that are actually coming out here to antagonize folks just for claiming the fullness of their humanity. And so as much as pride parades have become these huge global parties and celebrations with music and headliners and all the fun and all the men in Speedos um, and all the bears and all the cubs and all the otters and everything else that your heart could imagine, there are there is also still antagonism that occurs at some yeah. of these pride marches um, that increases for me the sort of urgency around um, not calling it a parade, but calling it a march. This is mm. actually still mm-hmm. a march. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back when Atlanta's pride parade was in June. I mean, they've changed it to October now because it's because of Atlanta in June and October is coming out. to. No, you, you, do you know the history behind this? No. This could be an old wives tale because, you know, pride always happens at Piedmont Park. Like you Mm -hmm. do the march and then you end in Piedmont Park. Right. And apparently one year, I forget what year it was, like all the grass was dead in Piedmont Park and they were like, no, 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 we really need the grass to grow again. So y'all cannot march right now. Like the grass needs to grow. And so they pushed it back to October and then people were like, oh my God, it's not as hot. Let's keep it in October. Gotcha. That's funny. I haven't heard it because when I left... Atlanta, it was still in June. Like I've only marched in two pride marches, one in Durham and and one in Atlanta. And I remember the first time going to the march in Atlanta and it wasn't as big as it is now. And the PFLAG people came up, the parents and friends of lesbian and gays, like it probably could have a better name today. But when I tell you that everybody sitting on the ground stood up, like 
the sign, it got a little silent until people just clapped like uproariously. Like there was just like abundant clapping for these people who would say, my children are gay. My sister is gay. My friends are gay. And I'm marching here to support them. And it didn't matter what people were doing or like what kind of insanity was going on there. Everybody paused and, and, focused on that that small small group and today there's more people there's more churches and stuff but i think that the p-flag group still always gets the most honor because a lot of people don't have their families when they come out yeah and that's a sad reality and i think even for me coming out like because of religious bullshit in my humble opinion and that that's my language i think others would say they're religious convictions but i would call those <laughs> convictions bullshit a lot of my family members had to wrestle with what it meant to be connected with me and so like i know what it means to actually watch your parents work on what it means to still love you. And I know what it means for your mother to come and visit you for the first time in ages. And I know what it means. And my my dad apparently is now listening to the podcast and he asked me not to talk about him on the podcast. And I'm saying nice things about you, dad. So get over yourself. Like I know what it means to sit there on the phone and hear my dad strain to not say anything about my partner. Mm-hmm. And then for my dad to, at least from what I'm perceiving, work to actually say my partner's name repeatedly mm-hmm. and ask about how my partner is. And so like there is something like significant about P flags, not to recenter heterosexual people, but to say like parents and friends who come from religious backgrounds that have taught them to be hateful or taught them to be more narrow-minded like Sam, like people who've done the work to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, like that that is something worthy of honor and celebration. Yep. So Sam, tell them about your homophobia. I'm not homophobic. I love gay people. <laughs> you even have some friends that are too. But you love gay people. But you love gay people because of me. That's bullshit. You ain't got shit to do with it. I'm your only gay friend. No, you are not. I'm not the, let, let me go back to the mourners bench. Wait a minute. Do I not account? Exactly. First of all, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I sing in a gospel choir in college. I ain't gonna say nothing else. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Wasn't it you got fire? <laughs> University of Alabama? Yes, the University of Alabama. Oh, yeah, you had all the gay people around you. <laughs> I probably knew some of them. Whatever. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> you hadn't even come out by the time when he was in college. Right, he was still playing with women. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, the closet I was in was glass. Crystal. <laughs> It was crystal, baby. You could everybody could see inside of it. Everybody could see, and even me, even me, Lord, <laughs> even me. Sam, where are you in this conversation? I don't know. Sam, have you ever marched in a pride parade? I've never marched in a pride parade, no. And um, and I was thinking as you all were talking, and I'm gonna talk to Jamie and say we should march in the pride parade. Right before the pandemic started, we were going downtown to visit a church member who was like critically ill in the hospital. God rest her soul. She ended up passing a few days after. But we didn't realize that the pride parade was going on. And we we were trying to get to Emory Midtown and we got close. And then like we just sat there for like almost two hours because we kind of drove like right into the middle of the pride parade. And it was like we, uh, oddly enough, we just like enjoyed sitting there being like, observers of the pride parade and so we didn't turn back we didn't go home we didn't be like nah we're gonna come back another day we was like no number one we're gonna go see this person 
in the hospital. Um, but number two, like this is this is kind of cool. Like because I'd never been to a pride parade. I'd never been mm-hmm. experienced it at all. That, but that was my only experience is that I kind of stumbled into uh, a pride parade. I know that sounds terrible. No, it's not terrible. I mean, I think the reality is it's where you are right now. And I don't think that you have to actually march in a pride parade in order to be an ally. In fact, I think that that might be the most trivial thing that you could do in some instances mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to be an ally. Yeah. Like one of the other things I wanted to talk about today is this sort of corporatization of pride. But before we get into that, this is a good spot for a break. So let's take a quick pause to check our temperatures and decenter heteronormativity. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back to discuss the corporatization of pride after this. You know what else is a pride song? You're not going to believe this, but Judy Garland. Somewhere over oh, yeah. the rainbow. Really? That's the, all the old white gays. That's their song. Correct. I like Patti LaBelle's version better. Somewhere over the rainbow. And she do her little... She do her little. <laughs> that is Come horrible. on, Patty. You better scream. You better scream this song, Patty. You know Patty. she be hollering. I love Auntie Patty, but she be hollering. And just like that, we've become a little bit more queer. We've decentered the heteronormativity, and we can talk about the corporatization of pride. So, one of the things that I hate, I mean, it's almost like Christmas, right? Like Christmas decorations come out earlier and earlier and earlier every year. Like it used to be that you didn't see Christmas stuff until after Thanksgiving. When it been my day, we didn't put up <laughs> Christmas trees until well after Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> like I was chilling, Katie. You were. But then like it started to come out the week of Thanksgiving. And then it started to come out the week before Thanksgiving. And then you're getting Christmas in July. Like what mm-hmm. in the world is happening? And it's also the same way with pride. Like I was in the mall because I got my vaccinations and I'm immunized. And I was like, I'm gonna go to the mall. And Banana Republic, which is one of the stores that I frequent, this is not an ad for Banana Republic. They don't pay us to say these things, but it's just where I happen to be. There were all these little rainbow shorts and t-shirts that had pronouns on them. I mean, if you want to wear pronouns on your T-shirt, by all means, wear your fucking pronouns on your T-shirt. But I was like, it is April the 19th. Like, why (laughs) is there already pride paraphernalia in April? Pride ain't till June. And so then you go into Target and there's an aisle where it feels like a Skittle bag vomited. Well, it's like right when you walk in at the Target I went to, I was like, what the hell is going on here? That must be a 2021 progression. Like, right. But the last time I was in a Target, it wasn't by the door. It was like literally an aisle. It was mm-hmm. like you were walking down Target and everything was red and white and khaki because all their employees were red and khaki. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get to an aisle in the middle of the store and it's it was actually like a larger aisle. Like it was longer than or, or wider than the other standard aisles. And it was as if like literally like a unicorn shat and the poop went <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I don't know which one I like better, the Skittle oh reference gosh. or the unicorn reference. Let's leave them both Definitely in. the unicorn reference. Let's leave Definitely. them both in. Well, have you heard that the Skittles have gone white for Pride Month? Why couldn't it be black? Right. I'm just, <laughs> you're right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Skittles. Skittles. Intersectionality Skittles. Correct. Yeah, it says during Pride, only one rainbow matters. That's crap. The white one? Apparently. Yes. Yes. 
So now they're going to have to deal with their racism, but not if they're in Georgia. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because no one is going to teach them about it. Well played. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it was like that in Petco also. They had like leashes and clothes and dresses for dogs. I don't know who the hell puts a dress on their dog, but they were all rainbow stuff almost everywhere you walk in. White people. <laughs> your cousins. <laughs> My daughter keeps trying to put one on her dog and I am not going to do that. Tell your daughter that it's too white. I'll tell her. She's tell her to look in the mirror. <laughs> tell her look in the mirror and listen to my voice. <laughs> I think maybe because you two are gay that you can speak to this. Uh, I wonder how much of this is genuine, like these corporations genuinely trying to be supportive or allies and how much of this is about the dollar. Let me ask you, black man. Let me ask you. So <laughs> right. this past February, when Nike had its Black History Month ads. Right. I didn't see no Black History Month ads. Everybody had Black History Month and Black yes. Lives Matter shit. LinkedIn gave you the option to have a Black Lives Matter banner in Black History Month. Like Facebook had little African circles around your profile pictures. Mm -hmm. And by African circles, I mean red, green, and black because those are the colors for black people. <laughs> like they had, like it was so ridiculous. And I'm like, it's all about profit. Like Hillary Clinton, back when she was running for president all those years ago and lost, she made her H logo a Kwanzaa menorah. Oh, good Lord. Is it called a menorah? Kwanzaa Kanara is what it's called. Kanara. Kanara. Okay. It's close. I think this goes back to something that we were talking about earlier. Like the corporate world is going to do what it does, right? I don't know that we should expect any more from them. And then the question is, if they didn't do what they were doing, if there was no product, if there was no attention, what would the narrative be? The question that I have is how substantive are these things? Show me your leadership Show me who's in management in your corporation. Show me if there's pay equity for those who are openly and out gay. Show me the, the substance behind your allyship. You know, otherwise, I'm with you, Brandon. All it is, is it's all for profit unless you can prove or show or say otherwise. Um, show me your benefit structure. Show me how you're providing the same level of benefits for our, our openly gay and trans uh, folks that you're providing for heterosexual folks. Um, and so, you know, other than that, it's advertising, it's them appealing to a certain group within their base so that they can get more money out of their pockets. Right. And like some of them will say that they're donating some of the proceeds to the Trevor Project, which is a great program, provides like emergency crisis counseling if a, a LGBTQ teenager is suicidal or just needs like a non-judgmental place to talk. But like if you are giving 100% of your profits from those sales to the Trevor Project, then I'm going to go ahead and support you even more. Like in addition to what you're saying, Sam, because like the Presbyterian Church, the, now the person who sent out the banner for Pride is definitely supportive. They are active in working for LGBTQ something in the Presbyterian Church. But oh, okay. absolutely everybody who's posting that now on their Facebook or their Instagram, they, they ain't hiring queer people to be leaders in their church. They're not letting them teach Sunday school. So I think... It's It's got to be what you're saying and it's got to be say, okay, if you're going to take advantage of pride and you're going to say that you actually like gay people, then you need to give all this money away for this unicorn crap. <laughs> you need to give it all away. 
You need to give it all away oh to the gays and lesbians. Give it all away. What about transgender people? To the trans and bi folks. Give it all away. To the... <laughs> give it all away. Give it all away. Give it all away. To the quilt back community. <laughs> give it all away. Yes. Ah. Ah, give. Oh. Take my rainbow. Take my unicorn. <laughs> As a living sacrifice. I don't want, I'm doing, we ain't sacrificing no more. The gay, gay folks have yeah. given up too much. Take our unicorn. No, we're going to keep our unicorns. Ha! We're going to keep our rainbows. You need to sacrifice all your profits, mm. all your dollars, all your millions, all your dollars, all uh, your dollars. Place all them in my dollars. hand. Give it all away. <laughs> my God. That's the invitation for this. You need to give it all away <laughs> so we can use it. Because right now you, we ain't benefiting from it. That's right. And the thing is, I think that here's the tension. Show up 127% you, and I'm going to show up 157% me, and we're going to wrestle with that thing together. So don't hear what I'm about to say as a justification for anybody else's ignorance or behavior, but I can hear loudly and clearly, but y'all been asking to be included for years. Y'all been asking for us to be rep- to represent y'all for years. Y'all been saying y'all want this, that, and the third for years. Why in the world now y'all complaining because we got rainbow eyes at Target? And it's like, well... <laughs> Because y'all view that as an end. And I think as a black gay man, I learned how to be black first. I didn't have nobody to teach me how to be gay, but I did mm. have black parents. And so I had to come into my own sexual orientation. You ain't got no damn black parents. I was not adopted by white people like you with your blue Christmas trees. Um, <laughs> no more blue Christmases. Um <laughs> But as a black man, like I'm sitting here and I'm asking questions about like, okay, it's not, it isn't, I know exactly what it means for me to feel like I'm not only represented, but included and affirmed and I have equitable treatment. And that means that we need to have folks represented at every single level of the institution, at every single level of the government. And by represented, I mean in an equitable manner. If 13% of the country is black and 13% of our legislatures should also be black. That is what it means Mm -hmm. for us to have some sort of equity or parity when it comes to uh, celebrating and affirming black people. I know what it means to think about the generational wealth that white folks have been able to accrue mm-hmm. while mm. black folks are still trying to scrounge together pennies. And so I think for me, talk about it. I bring in that experience as a black man. And then I add the fact that I'm also a gay man. So I'm a black gay man. And I'm like, so where are all the gay folks that are represented in your organization? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have somebody in your C- C-suite hmm who's LGBTQ and openly so, not as a token, but who can come in and say, I'm here and I'm queer. And that is going to inform my decision-making and it's going to make your organization better. Because if your organization can't accept and affirm that and make space for that, then there is no allyship. If it's the case that you still have policies that don't allow LGBTQ people's partners to also qualify for the health insurance that heterosexual people qualify for, then that's you're not an ally. Hmm. If you work in a hospital, if you're an executive at a hospital and you still don't allow partners to see their spouses who are sick and dying 
because they may not have a marriage license and don't adopt heteronormative standards of relationships and intimacy, you are not an ally. So I'm, and I'm not mad. I'm just saying, if you're going to come to me and you want to say, well, y'all been asking for this for years. I'm, you sound mad. But I'm not. I'm just where I'm at. You just telling the truth. It's just truthful, right? I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> but but I guess I guess I'm just trying to highlight ultimately what we need when we talk about equity, when we talk about uh, the goal, the goal isn't to say Barack Obama signed marriage equality into law. The goal isn't to say that we now have a gay Supreme Court justice. All those things are great. We desire that. We need that. That will help make this world and this country a better place. But the target aisle, I don't even, I think it's, I think it's just a zero sum game. It's a step in the right direction and then also a step in the wrong direction because then all the people who hate gay folks are just kind of like, we got the target aisle the entire month of June. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and Target still is homophobic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so are you, the people who are saying that. Correct. Right. She was talking to you, Sam. I didn't know that one of the Supreme Court justices was gay. How did I miss that? No, there isn't one. I mean, I think Elena oh. Kagan, though. <laughs> What's T? I think Elena Kagan got, get, she gave me some real, real LGBTQ vibes. Is she married? I don't know the answer to that, but Amy Coney Baird is so like opposed to gay people that she probably is. That probably is the case. It's always the ones who are most homophobic who are likely the most gay. She was a manager for her girls basketball team back in... Are you serious? Are you making that shit up? Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> no, I'm making <laughs> oh, I, I, I was going to say, and she played shortstop on the softball team. <laughs> and Katie's like, oh, well, yeah, they're gay. Did you hear Katie? She's like, the managers were definitely gay. Katie was like, <laughs> believe me, I know. <laughs> we didn't have managers that with division three. Come over here and towel me down. <laughs> we're gonna take another quick break and be right back after this happy pride y'all if you didn't know what pride was hopefully you do now we're gonna be talking about gay shit all month and this was just to wet your whistles uh (laughs) did that sound sexual how could it not is is wedding whistle is that is that a euphemism? Well, the fact that you paused when you said wet and then recovered and then made sure that you said wet, I think you were intending it to be sexual. I actually wasn't that time. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Sure, Brandon. We don't know you. We just met you. We believe you. <laughs> we just met you. Everything is rated G. The y'all should know that I'm seriously, I didn't mean it, it, but is wet your whistles sexual? I wouldn't have thought so, except for the fact that you said it. You said it the way you said it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with a few invitations for you as we begin Pride Month. And what's the gospel of gay songs? Anything that James Cleveland wrote? Anything or Donald Lawrence. That Donald Lawrence wrote anything that Daryl Coley sang, anything like, anything that any of them have written or saying in the last however many you years. Stupid. I'm just saying, I will survive is another mm-hmm. one. That could be a gospel song. I will survive. Sam, Sam, give us a gospel rendition of I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Whoa, long as I know how to love, I know I'll stay alive. Yes. So as we come to the end of another episode, we like to end every conversation 
in the, in a constructive manner where possible. Sometimes we just kind of go off and get really mad, but we like to invite people to consider a few things. This is rooted in a black church practice where we open the doors of the church at the end of every single church service and invite people to come to know Jesus. And so today, we once again open the doors of the Church of Holy Shit and the temple for all the saints and the ain'ts, and we invite you to come to know yourself, your humanity, and your beauty once again. My invitation is to the straight folks out there, uh-huh. myself included, who need to I say, do the work. You're talking to yourself, you said, thank you, Jesus. Hi. Mm. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that to him while he's offering an invitation. The fuck? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. It's my Baptist coming back up. Um, a lot of us need to do the work. And I'm not saying to to do this white hero savior work, you know, that you just go looking for work to do. But when you see heteronormative ideologies oppressing and injuring your siblings, when you witness systems of oppression and marginalization, throwing people to the ground, that you make a conscious decision with disregard to how you fare, how you come out of it, that you do what the teachers did in Spain, that you go home, that you have dinners with your families or do whatever your routine is, that you get up the next morning and you put on a skirt because somehow in your position of authority, in your position of privilege, in your position of power, that's the small way that you can make a statement about what you have witnessed. Hmm. And so again, I'm not, I'm not asking you to become this champion for gay people. They don't need you to do that. But what we all need you to do is open your eyes and in the moments that it is necessary, in the moments that it is appropriate that you do the work. I think my invitation is to, to know that you are loved, that you are valued, to take some time. It's probably going to involve a therapist. Um, it, it's definitely going to involve people who support and, and journey with you to figure out who you are, who the best you is, not the one that has been shunned for all your life, not the one who has been tried to, been prayed away, but who are you? And know that that you is exactly who's supposed to be in the world. I feel like there should have been music under that as you were saying it. It was so peaceful. My invitation is to black people. All black people? Straight black people. And I think... I think all black people, we need to get over ourselves. There's enough in the world, and by enough I mean there's enough white supremacy in the world that attempts to divide us every single day. And if we as black people participate in white supremacy, heteronormativity, heteroaggression by hating one another, then we've missed the point. Hmm. I think about how hard it is for us to call the names of black trans women who are murdered. And as wonderful and beautiful and glorious as Pose is and how ever glorious the season finale was, will be, that still is a glorified image of what the daily lives of many trans men, women, and non-gender binary humans experience. And so just to black folk for right now, like we got to start to 
teach other people how to love us. And we have to do that by loving ourselves first. It shouldn't be the case that black men are killing black trans women. It shouldn't be the case that black cisgendered men are killing black trans women. It shouldn't be the case that black cis women are saying shady shit about black trans men. It shouldn't be the case that black mothers, black fathers, black parents struggle to love their black children because of what their church teaches on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. We have to start teaching and preaching love. We have to start teaching and preaching black power (laughs) because until we unlearn the hatred that we've internalized, ain't nobody else going to care about us either. And I don't need anybody else to care about us, but what I need is for us to care about one another. And so stop taking yourself, your faith, your, your version of Jesus, your grandmama, and, and your family's traditions so seriously that you hurt your children, you hurt your aunts, you hurt your relatives, you hurt your parents, you hurt people who don't fit into heteronormative standards of what it means to be a human. Let that shit go. Because if your biggest fear is that somebody wants to have sex with you, trust me, we don't. <laughs> Brandon don't even want to have sex with his husband. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, you gotta, you gotta put this on the calendar. Send me a calendar invite. Oh but I said that to my mother. I said, Mom, what's your biggest issue? Well, I just don't like the sex. I said, how often do you and your husband have sex? Oh, okay. So if you think about in your prime, like whatever your prime, and this is not just for my mother, this is for any parent who struggles with their children's sexualities. And I'm assuming that if you're honest, the only thing that you really care about is the sex itself. <laughs> like my mother has said, and like many other mothers have said throughout the time. And if you think yeah. about your sex life in your prime and the amount of sex you had in your prime, it couldn't have been more than like what, an hour a day? Because if an hour a day, I'm still like, an hour, you ain't done? Like, <laughs> somebody having sex an hour a day? Damn. <laughs> I'm trying to go to the extreme. Because the point is. Every day? If there's 20. So Katie's like, wait. <laughs> Katie's like, I'm chafing. Oh my gosh. But no, like if, but I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go to an extreme, right? If we're if we're just saying one hour out of every twenty four hour period, that's not that much sex. Now the reality is, it's probably more like three or four times a week, thirty minutes at a time. Katie is still like, oh my god, that's a lot of sex. Okay, Katie's like, what's up, mine? Who's the real fruit of the podcast? But the point I'm trying to get to is, like, why are you focusing so much on thirty minutes of activity that happens three to seven times a week? And it ain't it, somebody else's activity, right? And it's somebody else's activity. Mm-hmm. If the mm-hmm. only thing that you got a problem with is this five to six hours I'm spending having sex every week, what about the rest of the week? What about the rest of the hours? <laughs> speak on it. Do your speak homework. On it, speak on it. Speak on it. Get over your bullshit. It's time for <laughs> us to start loving one another because ain't nobody else gonna love us. Yeah. That's my invitation. Let us govern ourselves accordingly. Before we end, I want to remind the saints and the ain'ts that word of mouth is the best way to share the good news. So I invite each of you to take a moment to share this episode with a friend or family member. 
And if you happen to be listening in Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave us a little rating and a review at your convenience. We would so greatly appreciate it. All right, so that is a wrap on this week's episode. Next week, we'll be back with a discussion on marriage, marriage equality, and the limitations of arguing for inclusion utilizing heteronormative expressions of love and relationship. We'll be right here in the same place at the same time. Until then, peace. Peace.